It's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Vinny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. What's up, everybody? TV and VH in here, Cast Talk Wednesday, another Wednesday evening, rolling through the summer. What's happening, TV? How we doing today, man? Getting ready for game three tonight. Ooh, we got well, C-Web? It's C-Web. It's <laughs> First part of his career, when he dunking on Charles Barkley. It, yeah, Charles gave him that 20-piece. <laughs> Well, a 70 piece that next game, but uh, yeah, doing good, man. Doing good. It's uh, woo, five weeks out from closing on this new house, so we putting it, we putting it down, man. Hey, see, yes, everything happening fast. That's good, though. That's good. So. Yeah, the, the wife is going through the nesting. We've got bed sheets, we've got uh, towels that we're getting for the new place, we're getting a bed. For the new place, so uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm have to get another part-time job and be delivering newspapers or something because it's <laughs> prices prices is high. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You also you out there making sauce? Gotta, gotta, gotta get that in too. You out here? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I finally my my dad, uh, you know, uh, he was he was a very good cook. Cooking was was what he did to kind of relax and all that kind of stuff because he had a very stressful job being a police officer. So uh, he cooked and he would come up with his own recipes. So he came up with his barbecue sauce recipe, which was, I mean, we all know somebody in the family that's got a barbecue sauce recipe. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't give it to me and my brothers. You had to be married before he would give it to you. You had to, you had to reach a certain milestone. Mm-hmm. And so he gave it to my middle brother, Kemp. We went over there, his house for a barbecue cookout. And he messed it up. He 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 added something to the sauce. Mm. And my dad was not too happy. Mm. So uh, I finally got the sauce. And I was scared to make it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So I've had the sauce forever and ever. And finally decided, with Mama B's blessing, to, to make it. Uh, this past weekend, and the sauce I made was good. Was not quite the same, so I'm thinking uh, he left something out, which was he was famous for <laughs> leaving stuff. He get, would give you a recipe, but he would leave leave out something. And oh, so, uh, yeah. So uh, toward the end there, uh, with the dementia, I told him, I said, you know, you gave us some recipes, but I think you left some stuff out. And he said, well, and shrugged. And <laughs> so you know. Uh, I would I would love to have the the recipes, uh, but I, just that look on his face and that smile, like, yep, yep, I didn't give it all of it. So uh, like you got what you got, and that's it. Yeah, so I do have a good sauce, but it's not quite the same. And uh, you know, because the thing was, when he would make it when I was growing up, he would have every spice in the we had in the kitchen on the counter, so you didn't know what he was putting anything. Like, you know, he would go to the store to buy uh, uh, spices and stuff, but he would have a whole bunch of ingredients that you knew wouldn't go on the, like, he would just, he would buy fake decoy stuff. 
So you didn't know what was in what. He, he out here with the audibles and the, the Peyton Manning Omaha's on y'all with the with the spices. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So you so you wouldn't know. You know, you would be like, it could be paprika, but oh mm. no. Mm. So uh I did make it and it was it was good. It was good, but uh yeah, had had to get the blessing from uh from Mama B to do that. And uh we had a good laugh about him not sharing his resume because she doesn't even know. Oh wow! Yeah, she does. She does not know a lot of his recipes and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, that it's been cooking out. You know, it's it's summertime. It's warm. Love to get out there on the grill and all that kind of stuff. Got to buy a new grill for the new house. So, uh, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Must. Uh, my sister kind of done that. My 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 dad had his. My mom made hers, and you know, everybody's different. And mom's is more thicker and sweet. And Dad's was kind of a little bit thinner and had that more spicy kick to it, and and you know, my sister makes it, and it kind of comes out like a hybrid of both, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we and like you, we we watched Dad make it a thousand times, and we thought we saw what he was doing, and you know, but we can't can't replicate it. Can't replicate yeah, because there's always something. There's always you know a pinch, a dash. When, when, especially when old folks was cooking, they didn't have, they were not using, 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 uh, using measuring, uh, thing like, oh, I'll just put you a pinch in there. What does that mean? Yep. Just put you a, a scooch in there. Well, what is it? What is that? What kind of measurement is that? Is that a metric measurement? What are we doing here? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just going by, going by feel and eyeball and stuff. Boy, that's it. Absolutely. But, but we're doing good here in the heartland. Uh, no, no real complaints, man. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Oh, we got Maggie Davis. I think we will complete the um, the BBN tonight. I don't know if we we'll call it Circle of Trust or the what is what's the stones that Thanos had. You know, we we about the, to complete the, the Infinity Stones, man. We we've, yeah. we've got the Infinity Stones, yeah. Because we have Anna Terulo. Keith Farmer, Christy Thomas, Jesse Riffey, now Maggie Davis. Speaking of Anna, that's that's our girl <clears throat> from way back. She's been coming on here from before she came to Kentucky. She was still back in West Virginia covering Marshall and the Mountaineers, and she was over in Huntington and Charleston and all that. And she was coming on here before she came back to the Bluegrass State. So We've been doing it from way back, and and she had some surgery yesterday. She's kind of went into some. She even went into detail about what she went through on here with us, and then she's kind of posted on social media some of the stuff, some of the mistakes, negligence, and malpractice that caused her to go through hell basically on the operating table. And she had some surgery yesterday. She's not gonna be on TV for about a month or so. I think she they said be in July or so before she's back, but. Got to give our thoughts to our girl, Anna Trullo, who is hopefully can finally maybe get all this this health stuff behind her that she's been going through for a long, long, long time. Absolutely. Definitely sending her all, all our love. And it was an ordeal. It was an ordeal. And she spelled that out, I think, last summer when she came on, maybe, or the fall. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And really laid all that out. And you can follow her on uh, her social media. And it was a harrowing story. You know, I remember... And she was uh, talking about it in real time, but then when you step back and you look, it's like you know probably even worse than what we 
uh, got the, the first conference, definitely send her, uh, you know, our our thoughts and prayers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because she's been more than gracious with her time hopping on here with us and a, a super duper friend of the show. Um, we talked about uh, Reggie Warford too, and uh, with, with him passing and, and playing for Kentucky, being the first uh, African American player to graduate and everything he went through. And you know, we've talking before we got on the air about the influential rappers and how they paid the way for rap today. Well, Reggie did that for African American players at Kentucky that are there now. You know, without Absolutely. him, there's no no goose givens. There's you know no um, um, no, um, Marion Haskins and Larry Johnson and and all those guys that came right along. You know, in the mid seventies. But you know, we put this show up on YouTube, and of course, y'all can see it on Roku, courtesy of the BS3 Network. Uh, and we we'll always talk about that. Thanks to Ben Surth and everybody that puts us on. But a, a comment popped up on YouTube from last week. And it said, thank you. And it kind of blew me away. It said, thank you for talking about and mentioning my dad, Reggie Warford. He was a humble man who rarely ever talked about his place in UK's history, but always hoped that people would know the story. And I might have misspoke because he said it was the 76 NIT. I might have said 77 by mistake. So this is one of Reggie's sons that saw us and commented because we had talked about Reggie. And so I, I replied and appreciate him watching and commenting. Uh, apologize for misspeaking on the year of the NIT. And I said, if at some point you'd like to come on with us and, and talk about your dad, we'd love to have you. And uh, he said he'd be more than happy to discuss sometimes. So I'm going to try to get, uh, not sure which son it is yet, but one of Reggie Warford's sons. <laughs> so I know he had two boys, and uh, we'll get one of his sons on here to talk about it. Reggie here in the coming weeks, so that's I'm that's exciting, man, to be able to. That that that's great, and you know we just as you like to say our little show, we just trying to to not be hot takey to to talk about things with a little bit of uh, depth and, and substance. And uh, speaking of hot takey, uh, JJ Reddick is making me love him on ESPN. Uh oh, I miss uh, this. Uh, well, he he's 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 standing up to uh, Stephen A. Smith, okay. and and Stephen A. Smith, look, he's not my cup of tea, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a lot of these dudes, him and Skip, Skip Bayless, they start out kind of humble newspaper reporters, and then they get on TV and it becomes something else. Mm-hmm. And I I think I, obviously. Some people enjoy what they do, or else they wouldn't be making the millions of dollars a year and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Mm. But most fans are looking for some nuance. There's no need to make things personal. So uh, there's a clip, uh, I think it was today, and I tweeted about this too. People love the 80s and 90s of the NBA. That has become the golden era of the NBA and which is fine. Look, people can have personal preferences for if you like the dead ball era, you know, some people like uh, basketball before the three point shot. That's fine. That's fine. Or, or what have you. Uh, 
But when people wistfully look back at the 80s and 90s, it's very rarely for basketball reasons. They look back and it's like, I enjoyed it when dudes were allowed to clothesline each other. Uh You know, Kevin McHale clothesline of Kurt Rambis. And neither Mm -hmm. dude got ejected. Like, when you've got Dr. J and Larry Bird throwing punches and nobody gets it. And, and, And look, again, like what you like, but we, I'm saying we, basketball got too physical. Mm-hmm. It was free willing in the 70s. Those <laughs> the mid late 80s and 90s. It became just a grind to watch the NBA. Yeah. And you hear people talk about, oh, these players today are soft. And mm-hmm. it's like, because they're not clotheslining each other. They're not, they're not crippling each other. Like, that's got nothing to do with basketball. Right. When, 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 when guys was tough. Like, when Carl Malone elbowed Isaiah Thomas, like, mm-hmm. is, that what, is that what we want? Is, that's, that's got nothing to do with basketball. And in the 80s and 90s, we had great basketball players. Mm-hmm. It's never a wistful, man, I miss the 80s and 90s when Dominique Wilkins was dunking. It's always... I remember when the Pistons was clotheslining dudes into the front. Like, it's got nothing to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. And so that's the narrative that uh, they were saying on, I guess it was Get Up or whatever it is on ESPN. I don't watch it because it's not my thing. But J.J. Redick was getting a little heated. He's like, basically, quit crapping on the current players, our generation. And Mike Greenberg was there, you know, well, guys are always complaining. And J.J. Reddick said, Michael Jordan didn't complain to officials. Magic <laughs> didn't complain to officials. Larry Bird didn't complain to officials. Is that what you're saying? And then it's, you know. Uh, and so I think it was yesterday, C.J. McCollum is on there. Okay. Uh, and I, the point that uh, Stephen A. Smith was making was he was upset the Russell Westbrook was at the introductory com- press conference for Lakers coach Darvin Ham. Mm-hmm. And CJ and JJ, which sounds like a buddy cop comedy, uh, <laughs> basically were. <laughs> this fall. What, what, CJ, CJ. <laughs> what, what is, you know, why? You've got a problem with Russell Westbrook as a player for whatever reason. What does that have to do with him being at this press conference? What are what are we doing here? And <laughs> it was just, and, 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 and they're very nice and, and measured and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of pushback that, that these guys need. No, okay, what are you saying? You know, and I think there is a discrepancy between these talking heads and the athletes they cover. I have forever said, you can say, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, I have said on here, (laughs) man, you can't shoot from the left side of the rim, hit the right side of the backboard. Like, Mm -hmm. how is that even possible? That's fair. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. But when you talk about, you know, his manhood and what he is as a person, like, come on, man. And, 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 and Stephen A and his ongoing beef with Kevin Durant, you don't want me to be an enemy. 
what the hell is like what are you doing like what what are you what are you doing you know i, I don't i don't understand that kind of uh aspect of it but i i never would have found myself to be uh rooting for jj reddick <laughs> at all here i am in the year of our Lord, 2022, I'm in the middle of Iowa rooting on J.J. Reddick. Who would have seen that coming? Yeah, so, that's, a, that's a twist. Yeah. That's what they do to you. Now, you, you said, uh, you're speaking of hot takes, you're in support of J.J. Reddick. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I, I think Bomani's boy, Nick Wright, has been kind of getting on your nerves. He, and, you know, he, he kind of... <laughs> <laughs> so Nick Wright tweeted, I guess, was it yesterday? I can't remember. Days start to run together. Totally un unprompted, I'm guessing, but the worst finals MVP of all time in his estimation was Wes Unseld of the 78 Baltimore Bullets, Yo. who only had 12 and 9 to, to lead the Bullets to their only championship. Yo. And It's 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 weird to look back forty years ago and look at the stat sheet because numbers don't always tell the story. And I want to say that Bomani Jones was talking about this with somebody before about like MVPs or Finals MVPs or or the top seventy five or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember who he was talking to. I can't remember now, but it was basically Wes Unseld is an outlier. His impact won't show up in the numbers. Cause if you look at his career numbers, they are not spectacular. Right. It just, just by themselves. Like, I mean, I think he was a double, double career guy, but you know, I don't know his numbers. Just, you look at him like that dude's top 75, but you, you, talk to the Hubie Browns and the Bob Ryans and the dudes that have been covering the league a long time. No one that watched him play calls him overrated. Mm -hmm. Not one. Everything he did was to help that team win. And so I have an issue with looking back 40 years ago and going against the people that actually watched the series. Yeah. Because I, I don't think that's fair. Uh, the, the, the MVP, whether it be regular season, whether it be for the finals or whatever, everybody's got their own interpretation. Mm -hmm. and, and back then, it, was, it wasn't so much narrative as who was the best dude on the court. That's why Jerry West won the award and lost and a losing and lost the, lost the series. Mm -hmm. You know, LeBron should have won it in 2015 when he led everybody in everything. You want to talk about finals MVPs? How how is Andre Iguodala going to win it when he held LeBron to 32 points? Like, it, you can't say that with a straight face. Yo. He, he held LeBron to leading all players in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. That is insane. That is insanity that yeah. one person did that in what a six game series I think it was in 2015. Like, come on, man. Shades of Ruben Patterson. <laughs> he he held him to that. Yo. <laughs> uh 
but yeah, it, it's unfair because the, the thing is, and this is why I do disagree with JJ Reddick, you know, talking about the Bob Cousy's and all that kind of stuff. And poor Bob Cousy, he's minding his own business. He gets pulled into everything. <laughs> but it's unfair to judge players then with players now. It, it, it's just unfair because games evolve and different things like that. Like we were talking about before we got on here, uh, you know, uh, Rolling Stone has their top 200 uh, hip hop rap albums of all time. Zero interest in seeing that list. Zero. Because yeah. it's Rolling Stone and there's a bunch of people born after Y2K. I'm not listening to that. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a prompt on Twitter, a, 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 a viral tweet, the most influential rap album of all time. And a lot of these youths, Kendrick Lamar and, and you know, Lil This or whatever, whatever, or J. Cole, I think, is a rapper. I said, no, no, nothing in the last 10 years. Because my, my thing, most influential, Raising Hell Run DMC, first number one rap album, first rap album to go platinum, and was the first one to get ma major airplay on MTV with the videos. Was because of Walk This Way. The, the you and I are old enough to remember when rap was. It wasn't it wasn't real music, yeah. right? It was just a fad, and yeah. it was just black music. I'm old no, enough to remember all these things. Nowhere close to mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. And just in our lifetime, it, it's it's probably the driving force of American culture. You know how I know that? Because grandmas and I were talking about got to get the bling, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you know, from, from uh, oh, I can't remember who, you know, the song Bling Bling came out in 98, uh, you know, and now everybody talks about the bling. Yeah. Everybody's dropping it like it's hot. Yeah. Hip hop culture drives everything. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about influential, uh, you got to go back to that. So again, uh, going back to the Bob Cousy's and and, and and that kind of thing, and and poor Bob, he probably couldn't guard Patrick Beverly, you know, prime against prime, right? Okay, but you can't discount what those dudes did. No, they had to put the work in for the league to become viable. Uh -huh. Like it, it, there was no guarantee this stuff would take off. <laughs> Even in 1978, 79, it was still in the air. Take the lead. The, the just, NBA, the last, the last, the last NBA playoff game to be taped late was 1985. Yeah, it was. It was still dicey. Tape delayed. <laughs> what? Like you talk, you talk to old people. The Dr. J dunk over Michael Cooper. Some of those people saw it on tape delay. Yeah, like this could have gone a different, a different way. It wasn't a lock to be what it is now at all. It, Exactly. And, and basketball uh, was, you know, it was a young league. It was a young sport. You know, baseball was king. Baseball was America. Used to be America's pastime, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so for basketball to to in just 40 years, it has become a global game in 40 years. Yo, that's that's. that's and you look at the people kind of at the top of the league right now. Giannis, 
Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's purely an Embiid. Like it's yeah. purely yeah. An inter- it's an international game. And so yeah. while football is king here, you know, you got kids growing up all over the world thinking about coming to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Nick, Nick Wright also speaking of you know support, you went from, you went covered all the spectrum. Riding with JJ Reddick for standing up to Stephen A and all those guys. Yeah. To, you know, and Nick Wright, I mean, even if he could pick somebody else, it might have still ruffled feathers. But when he came after Louisville's own West Unsell, I was like, oh boy, here we go. And then he before that, you know, he's he's trashing Unsell's stats based on just looking at the box score because you know the numbers jumped out. Elvin Hayes should be. Should have won it, not Wes Unsell, in his opinion. And before that, he's he's already anointing Luca, you know, giving Luca the Shaq in 1996 treatment, four or five years in, putting him on his whatever top, way too yeah, high, his, his top 50 in the last 50 years. Yeah, his top 50 in the last 50, uh, Luca Doncic. And, and look, Luca is great. Luca is not Shaq. Right, like Luca is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Shaq, and, and this is uh, kind of, I guess, that age thing. But my whole thing when we talk about to these kids younger than us, you can watch full Shaq games when he was in Orlando, mm-hmm. and you knew you were watching something different. Mm-hmm. You just knew it. Mm-hmm. Luca's fantastic, but Shaq was a force of nature. We, we talk about the unicorns, the seven-footed. What we were seeing Shaq do, his first season in Orlando was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Well, all he, he could do was dunk. <laughs> One, that's not true. And two, look at what he's doing against the best centers of that era. Yeah. So saying, well, this is what they did to Shaq. Luke is not Shaq. Luke is great. He's not Shaq. Because mm-hmm. Shaq from the jump was, all right, I got it. So, uh, and it, it gets so hard when you pick, you know, lists because uh, somebody's going to get left out. And some dudes, it's like, where do you put them on your rankings? Like, for instance, you know, you and I, I think we've talked about, you know, best point guards of all time. We kind of de facto all put Magic at one. Mm-hmm. I would put uh, Isaiah Thomas at two. Yep. He's, he's, he's better than you think, kids. Mm-hmm. And part of that's because MJ didn't like him. And so we have kind of let Michael Jordan's coloration of Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, influence how we feel about it. But Isaiah Thomas was great. He, he was great. 25 points in that game six, uh, uh, third quarter on a broken ankle. Uh-huh. Like, Just, yeah. I'm still seeing him limping back down on defense after hitting a jumper. You know, just yeah. gimpy, gimpy as all get out, man. Ankle swole up, big as, you know, and just just out there and, getting buckets. And, and this, an air, yeah. the little dude that, you know, but when I was talking about little guy, that how far can this little guy take you? Well, 
<laughs> he took you. He, he's, you know, get on my back, Isaiah. Okay, I'll facilitate. I'll get these seven, eight dimes. Oh, I need to take over. Here I go. And anytime he wanted to flip that switch, that switch was getting flipped. And and, and we talk about you know you know because part of the conversation with great players. Okay, who are their teammates? Right? Who who do they play with? And Isaiah played with very good players, but he had, he didn't have another elite player. Mm-hmm. Well, he had Joe Dumars. Love Joe. <laughs> you know, he was Finals MVP. What in ninety in ninety? Yeah, because Zeke in eighty nine and at ninety or vice versa. Either way, but but Joe Dumars ain't on nobody's list, right? You know, right. Bill Lambeer, We know about him more for fighting. He could ball, but come on, Rick Mahone. Really, when I, I was talking to somebody about uh, you know, I think we were, we were tweeting back and forth, and I'm like, in an era where you needed three Hall of Famers to win a championship, right? In the eighties. You needed at least three because the Lakers, you know, we had four. But, you know, Lakers with, with uh, 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 you know, their winning time team and the Celtics with their big three, uh, the Sixers with their big three, right? Mm-hmm. And and even uh, your Rockets in 86 had two. Yeah, yeah, Samson and Elijah did uh... – is Mark Aguirre in the Hall of Fame? Cause I don't know. Adrian, they traded Adrian Dantley to get Aguirre, and that's what kind of put him over the hump, you know. Because I, yeah, uh, was it after the after they won the first one, they trade AD. I think. So I remember I was there in the locker room saying, "We like we love you, AD," and I was like, "Man, I feel so bad for AD." I'm like, "Man, he down there in Dallas with the sorry Mavericks, watching them." <laughs> Squirt champagne on each other and and say we wish you was here. I'm like, oh, that's that's rough, right? But so is AD was Dantley a Hall of Famer? Dantley for Aguirre. That was the that was the, the the only other close to elite players that was on that squad. Yeah, well, and and and, and remember when they did the NBA at fifty back in ninety five ninety six, and mm-hmm. they had guys grouped together, and you looked at those teams from the eighties. You had Bird. Uh, and McHale, uh, uh, even, uh, you know, Bill Walton is there with them, and the Lakers have their peak. And Isaiah's standing by himself. You know, even Michael had Scotty. Yeah. So, you know, it, it – we don't give Isaiah enough credit. But my, my point is that numbers sometimes don't tell the whole story. Uh, you know, I'm going to throw some more shade at uh, Utah. Uh, Carl Malone, you know, all the points he scored and, uh, and, and Stockton with these uh, the assists and the steals records, which are phenomenal. But nobody's going to bat telling me you, you you can't look me in the face and say John Stockton was better than Magic Johnson. Well, you had more assists. <laughs> so, so you and I and Sean Vincent were talking about the other day during the finals. You know, you were you said you because you and and. Steph does get hunted. Everybody goes at Steph on defense, and they, they get him in pick and rolls and get him switched up and go at him, and you're like, for an all-time great, does, does this happen to anybody else besides him? And I'm putting Stockton in there, and maybe maybe Dirk. Dirk was – Dirk kind of get that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, it's, it's rare, and it's just – 
it hits my ear wrong when Mike Breen is like, you know, they're hunting out Steph because you don't hear that for top dudes. Even mm-hmm. dudes that aren't really good defensively, like a dirt, like no one is going out of their way. Like the whole game plan is we're going to attack Steph on defense. Now, Steph is better on defense than I think he gets credit for, but mm-hmm. it's still just weird to me. All right, you know, we're going to screen, screen, screen until we get Michael Jordan in isolation, until we get Kobe on the dude. Like, that's my only knock against Steph. Yeah. Is, and in the old days, well, I hate to, well, I hate to, well. We, we, we're old men on uh, yelling at the club, so it's all in, good. In years prior, you used to, you used to fight through those screens. I mean, now it's just switch and, and get if, and if they dictate the matchup, it's like we're at their mercy. But you know, you used to fight through those screens more so. You know, even playing at the park, pick up you and I in the pick and roll, and, and something like, "Hey, Vinny, fight through or switch one or the other." But now it's just okay. We just let them put us in the matchup they want and hope they miss. <laughs> yeah. It- and, and it goes back to what we were talking about with uh, the, the style of play in the 80s and the 90s uh, and that freedom of movement. You can't play defense like you used to. No. You, you can't grab and clutch and all this kind of stuff. Mm. It's it's a whole lot easier to fight over a screen if you can grab some jersey or you can put a forearm in somebody. You know, mm. but by the same token, I look, I looked this up. I looked this up. Where did it go? In the 2003 NBA Finals, Game Four, the Nets beat the Spurs 77 to 76. Who's watching that? Like, what are we? No, like, come on, man. Like that, 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 that's that's unwatchable. Yeah, 48 minutes. That's... That that it's unwatchable to to watch that. Now, conversely, do I want to see a team throw up? 53s in a, in, a, in a game? No, no, I do not. That seems antithetical to basketball. So there's got to be a, a happy medium uh, with that. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. I, and I love Steph. Uh, oh, yeah. it was just, he's a just, great player, but, man, looking for him on defense, that just that hits me wrong. You're an all-time great. That's it. Speaking of that Nets game being unwatchable, our guest is watchable because everybody watches her on BBN tonight. And she is kind enough to join us right now as we speak. We're talking about Maggie Davis. Follow her on Twitter at Maggie Davis TV. Maggie, welcome to our little show. How you doing? Well, hey, guys. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I can't believe we've never done this before. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. That's my bad. That's our bad. That's should have. We have all the BB and Tonight folks on now, so we have completed that collection. Good. Yeah. Good. We have a really good crew over there. It's it's we work we work well together. Got some awesome people. Yeah, we had Keith on, had Christy, had Anna, even got Jesse from behind the camera, and he tells us good. about all the little funny jokes he slips in there on y'all, and all the little, <laughs> little stuff you got to watch out for. Um, yes. It had Anna on from way back. She was still in West Virginia the first time she came on, and we talked about really? her earlier. Yeah, she was oh, still cool. in Huntington and covering Marshall and West Virginia before she even came back home to Kentucky. So 
I know you, everybody's been tweeting about her and, and thinking about her, and she's going to be off for a little bit before she's back on TV with y'all. But, you know, hopefully everything went good for her yesterday. Yes. I, you know, haven't talked with her too much because I'm trying to give her space to rest and recover. That's the whole, you know, we're letting her off work. Let her be off work. I don't need to blow up her phone. <laughs> uh, from what I've heard, everything's going well so far, and, and this should be a good step for her towards living a more normal and and good life and thoughts and prayers out to Anna of course we're gonna miss her over these next few weeks though for sure right right yeah but so definitely had to get that in but tell us a little bit about yourself you from Kentucky or we knew you knew you from KSR before you went over to to BBN tonight tell us a little bit about Maggie Davis (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, I'm like you said, I'm from Kentucky, actually from right here in Lexington. I went to Dunbar for high school, went to UK um, in college, graduated. I worked for KSR all throughout my time in college. And then for about six months after graduation, kept that going. I was uh, eventually a full time writer there. I had a lot of different sort of roles along the way, uh, starting at intern all the way up to, to full time writer. So did a lot of different stuff, learned a lot of lessons, got a lot of reps in with them and got to cover football, basketball, women's basketball, everything over at UK. And that's really how I got my foot in the door and also figured out that I wanted to make this my career and my profession and that it wasn't just a hobby. It's something I think that I could, you know, make make a whole life for myself out of. So that's how I really got into it and eventually got an internship with LEX 18 while I was still in college and then Eventually, the timing just sort of worked out. I was out of school. I had just graduated. I was still in Lexington. This was peak COVID. I mean, I'm talking like seriously March 2020 um, when I started applying for full-time jobs. And obviously, there weren't a lot of sports openings at the time. So I was being really flexible. I applied all over the country. I I would do anything, go anywhere, cover any sport. But there were just hiring freezes all across the board. And then one day, I just... Got a call from LEX18 about this new show, BBN Tonight, and would I maybe be interested in helping out with that as a producer? And obviously, I jumped on that um, because writing is something I have a lot of experience in from my time at KSR. It's something I really like to do. And it really went back to my internship I had with them uh, during school. So that's sort of how I got my foot in the door there. And then from there, they you know, let me on camera every now and then as a reporter. And that just sort of took off. Um, and now here we are. I do a little bit of everything. So day to day it's always different but i produce i report i edit i'm filling in uh hosting anchoring i do a lot of like long form stories and it's been a lot of fun i mean there's nothing better than getting to cover uk athletics right here in lexington so i love it and like we mentioned earlier i work with a really good team we have a really tight-knit group um and everybody pulls their weight and does a great job and we work really well together and i hope the bbn likes it as much as we like doing it because it's all the different sports, just the passion of the fan base to where you're able to get content. We see all your interviews with Coach Stoops or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Liam Cohen when he was here and all this, and, and just get to do that for a living uh, just because, like, how rabid we all are to consume yes. and you guys put out. It's awesome. I mean, that makes our job so much fun, right? Like, how sad would it be if you put in all this work and like nobody cared? <laughs> it's awesome to get to do this for the BBN. Um, it's also obviously where I grew up and where I went to undergrad. So that makes it even more special for me. All of us have sort of have our own connections with the school. And so that's been really fun. And, and I think you see it a lot even with some other uh, sports that we get to work on that not a lot of other outlets get to cover as much just because, you know, we have 30 minutes every single night. You know, we're going to talk about 
everything. So, you know, this week we're doing a lot of track and field stuff because they're over in uh, Eugene, Oregon in NCAA championships. And it's like, how often do you really get to hear from the hammer thrower, right? But she holds the program record. She's the best one to ever do it here. How cool is that? How did she get here? She transferred here. How'd she get into the sport? It was an accident. You know, like there's cool stories everywhere. And I think if you can present it to people like that, it's something that the BBN especially can get so excited about, which makes it all a lot more fun for us too. And, and that's the good thing that, that, that you folks do for people like myself and Vinny who are BBN, but no longer in Kentucky. He's in mm-hmm. you know Tennessee. I'm here in Iowa of all places, but okay. uh, to, to uh, be able to have that connection back to the, uh, back to the school, back to the program, because everybody knows men's basketball. You know, you everybody kind of knows that roster. They know those recruits. They know that story. Football kind of the same way. But I've always said, if you're just paying attention to those two sports, you're missing out on, on everything. Because back when we were in undergrad, it was just men's basketball. And, you know, we've got these other things. But over the last 10 to 15 years, Kentucky's good at a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I mean, across the board. And it's been amazing to watch. I feel like we've seen like literally step-by-step progression. I mean, I just think like a couple of weeks ago, the men's tennis team had their best season in school history. And I remember I was actually on vacation that week. So I wasn't at work, but of course I was still being that crazy person. Like, how do I stream an NCAA tennis match? Because I just wanted to watch it. You know, I'm so invested in this stuff. And I was trying to figure it out. And I'm like, how crazy is it that I get on Twitter this afternoon and everyone is talking about the UK tennis team? You know, like that is not something that happens everywhere. But I think because we've seen so many other programs now do it, and you know, talking about the volleyball program and their national championship, yeah. the rifle program, Abby Steiner is such a huge name that I think, you know, having these little success stories along the way really help other programs down the road when it's their time to shine that people are like, well, you know, when it was volleyball's turn, that I learned a lot about it. It was fun to watch and cheer on the cats, no matter who's wearing the uniform. And I think people now, you know, felt the same way about tennis. And I hope this week they feel the same way about track. And hopefully we can keep it going and keep, you know, bringing these sorts of interviews and behind the scenes look at all these teams to the fan base. Because that's my favorite part of my job for sure. That was crazy. TB and I talked about Barnhart last week where he's getting the mm-hmm. National Football Foundation Award and he's going into the Hall of Fame and, how he's become polarizing, you know, a lot for the checkerboard and and for the alcohol sales that were up in Krogerfield and all that. But you look at how all the the sports have elevated, and I think I saw you tweeting with Justin Rowland. It's to the point now, which is is nonstop. But the facilities, it's it's time for basketball to kind of get a. a renovation deal now. We, we know tennis has got it. Baseball, Kentucky Proud Park, you know, Progerfield got theirs. You know, Stoops is going to get his uh, facility without a track around it. And now we're circling around where it's time to kind of catch basketball up again. So it's always something. And he's kind of juggled everything in a, in a great yes. Yeah, I agree. And like the facility thing, you said the word polarizing. Like I think in a weird way, even this idea of does men's basketball deserve upgraded facilities has sort of become that way because there are people who are like, yeah, we're Kentucky basketball. We should have the best facilities. And there are other people who say, um, no, we just lost to St. Peter's. Let's win a couple of games before you ask for a couple million dollars. And if you think, I mean, both sort of schools of thought, I think are rational. I don't think this is actually one of those rare situations where I don't think people are being like, 
so extreme you're like hey everybody's being crazy like i think these opinions are fair um but i think at least for me when we had john calipari on the show last week to talk you know about this specifically really i liked being able to hear him really explain it and it wasn't so much just like well we need facilities because everybody else got it or because you know duke's facilities are nice like he really had put a lot of thought into it in terms of this is what we see at Alabama football and we're the Alabama football of college basketball. So you have to sort of view these things on the same playing field. And then on the other hand, yeah, we were ahead of the curve 12 years ago when we upgraded these facilities, but we have to stay ahead of it. And now we've waited so long, we're, we're so far behind it. And the other thing I would say that I really sort of reson- resonated with me, at least when he was talking about it was when he said, you know, when you're recruiting high schoolers, and now obviously the transfer portal plays into this as well, but I think specifically high schoolers, you want to eliminate anything you can eliminate that would take you out of the running. So if someone comes to your campus and they love your program, they love your fans, they love the staff, they love you know everything that you're sort of pitching them in terms of here's what you could maybe do here with name image likeness, but your facilities are so far below everyone else's, what if that's the one thing that takes you out of contention for that one kid. And in basketball, sometimes you just need one kid on the roster who can help you win a title. And I think Cal has really figured that out, obviously. Um, and so, you know, I think when you really take time to listen to how he explains it all, it makes sense to me. What do you guys think? It's well, hard to go ahead, TV. Well, my, my thing is, as Cal has said before, scared money don't make money. And, you know, uh, my whole thing is, when we talk about the, the blue bloods uh, of college football, college basketball, it, it the, the teams are blue bloods because they had that investment years ago. You know, my longtime gripe with the Gonzaga love is the national folks love Gonzaga basketball. And it's like, well, look what uh, Mark Few is doing in Spokane, Washington. And I'm like, have you been to Lexington, Kentucky? It's not like Lexington is New York. It was just people in the 30s and 40s decided to, we are going to be good at this. You know, Tuscaloosa, yeah. Alabama, we are going to be good at this. What does it take? Whatever it takes, we are going to be good. So if if that's what we say we are comparable to Alabama football, then let's do that. You know, let's invest in the program. Not so much for vanity, like you're saying, Maggie, if we're, if we're going to kind of set that gold standard, then you kind of keep it up. Yeah, that's and it, yeah. it's as crazy as it sounds. It's been a decade since AD was here, and and the craft yeah. center was was kind of pristine. And not saying it's like shambles, and and there's like you know uh, mold and mildew in it, but <laughs> other schools have kind of pushed. It's changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, ten years is a long time, and yeah. like you know, I was at UK from 2016 to 2020. And the dorms there are amazing, you know, and it's like you get to a point where you don't want to say the basketball players have to have the best of everything. But like, does every single other student need to have a better dorm than what the men's basketball team has? I don't know. I mean, every other dorm has been has been done by then. You know, I mean, all the dorms at UK are brand new. You can get your own room, your own closet, your own bathroom. You know, I mean, they are fancy dorm rooms. Like, I must say. You can get your own bathroom? Yes. I mean, like there are dorms that are like mini apartments and I had one where I had my own bedroom, but shared a bathroom, but just with one other girl, you know, and that was in 2016 and there was two of us and we had two bedrooms, a living room and one bathroom, you know, and it was much 
much more space, I think, than probably what a lot of the basketball team has right now. And, you know, that is something you kind of have to think about and say, what are we doing here? <laughs> Vinny, we went to school in the dark ages. Oh, man. <laughs> man. I'd share a bathroom with 40 other guys my freshman year. Woo, buddy. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, see, I moved, I moved into my sorority house eventually, and that was much different than the dorms. That's shared a bathroom with 40 girls, for sure. <laughs> but the dorms, you know, the on-campus housing have, like, totally reached a new level at UK. I mean, they are wild. I mean, that, they probably cost as much as tuition now. I mean, they're they're so nice, but not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is the coolest thing you've done on camera and off because you do some of everything for bbn tonight so is there some interaction some interview some story an edit behind the scenes off camera and on camera that just jumps out at you in your time there so far that's a good question i think i would say on camera i would have to say the women's basketball sec tournament um, down in Nashville when they went on that run um, and surprised everybody eventually obviously upsetting the number one team in America, South Carolina on a last second shot, you know, that is obviously like that game specifically, I think stands out to a lot of people, but I was there that whole week when people thought they were going to lose to Mississippi state in the first round and they beat them. And, you know, then they beat LSU and then they beat Tennessee. And like, it was game by game, like proving people wrong. And that was such a fun event to cover because, Quite frankly, like a lot of Lexington media just didn't go. Like they probably didn't think it was worth the trip if you think the, the team is going to lose that early. But I'm lucky enough that my station was like, uh, no, we're going to cover this. Let's send Maggie in. And I went with Ian Teasley, who is a, a phenomenal photographer with us. And the two of us went down there and covered it for, you know, five days. And it was awesome. And we got so much access. And and the women were just so excited. And Kyra Elsie, obviously, so emotional. And that was a really, really cool event to cover because we had covered so many of their sort of down parts of the season that it was really rewarding, you know, for us selfishly, but also for them to get some some extra publicity once things started going really well. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Off camera, you're right. I mean, I do a lot of producing. I edit a lot of stuff. I don't know. I mean, I remember when the show first started, I did this thing kind of as like a goofy like bit that was like Zoom struggles. And every press conference, there'd be like something that somebody would mess up and I would save it. <laughs> and like six months into you know our show and into the pandemic, I put it all together in this like one little funny montage of like, hey, we're dealing with this too. <laughs> and some of it were like, you know, athletes. Like I remember Landon Young was like on a phone and it just like fell off the stand. <laughs> or like, for some reason, the lights always turn off at the football facility, like mid interview. Cause I think they're like motion censored. So when players would be doing press conferences, like halfway through, it would just go totally dark um, or reporters would try to ask questions and they were muted and the coaches would make fun of them. You know, like funny stuff like that I like doing. And I'm sure you talked about it with Jesse, but just getting to show some like personality and making the show fun, I think is just as important because you can get normal sports talk all over the place. But like it's you guys having fun doing it as friends or it's like us doing like funny stuff or behind the scenes stuff that makes us different. I think is what's important to do. And I really like getting the opportunity to do that. And because I'll mention the same thing that I've said to Christy and Anna and Keith and Jesse. <laughs> it was last year going into football season, and it was one of those things that Jesse snuck in. And Christy read it. It was, she said it was uh, Luke Fortner is entering his bicentennial year at Kentucky. And I was rolling when I watched it. <laughs> and so we had, awesome. her on, yeah, we had her on and asked about it. 
And she was like, I wish I could take credit for it, but Jesse's the one actually that, that wrote it. And as soon as she said it, Luke Fortner's entering his Bicentennial season, Anna was co-hosting with her. And Anna's to not have kids sounded just like somebody's mama because she went, Christy, like reprimanded her, which was <laughs> so it's funny. So funny. And um, then it really it does seem like it's like, well, what's Christy up to? You know, and it's like, nah, that's me and Jesse back here concocting little jokes. Yeah. Because <laughs> we both think we're hilarious. I don't know if anyone else does. <laughs> oh, we do. We comedy on here, too. Both of us think we're funny and, and – Good. That's how it's got to be. And Luke Fortner was always such a good sport about stuff like that, which is why we kept leading into it. Like, I remember I kept asking him and kept texting him, like, is it cool if we keep making these jokes about you being really old? Because Luke and I went to school together. We're like the same age. So it's crazy. But like, I've been working for like two years and he's still in college. So it was just funny for me to be like, hey, just so you know, like, I'm not actually making fun of you. But in a way, like, I'm going to keep making fun of you as long as you're cool with it. And he's always, he's been a good, a great sport and hope he kills it with the Jaguars. For sure. So we got him and Josh Allen down there. And I know. It's so exciting. Turned around. Oh, and I love that we're getting more cats in the NFL like that. You know, we've seen it so long with cats in the NBA. And I think that's made a part, at least of the BBN, that like wasn't necessarily NBA fans, you know, really grab onto at least certain teams. Like I think we saw it a lot last year with the Suns and Devin Booker on that run. And I think, you know, we could start to see that in the NFL now. Oh my gosh, there's like a hornet in my house. That's why I keep getting distracted. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm listening. I just don't want to lose it because I don't have to kill it after this. <laughs> you need to turn your camera off. We can mute you. You can go to war right quick. You know. No, it's okay. <laughs> do do, I don't man. know if I'm ready for all that. I just don't want it to like hide under my couch, and then I'm gonna spend all night looking for it. You know. <laughs> yeah. You gotta. You gotta murder a hornet. We we understand. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are nice. No, I think it's okay for right now. It just if it comes over here, you'll know. <laughs> so are you do you lean more? Are you you got which we like everything, but you have some of those fans that I'm more of a football fan, I'm more of a basketball fan. Are you more football in your leanings or do you do you kind of gravitate to it more? Or do you mm, I don't know. I mean I think I was definitely raised more on basketball, but I think what's been so awesome about the Mark Stoops era is like how much that I think I've seen the football fan base grow. And I would, I mean, obviously put myself in that. I was, you know, pretty young when during like the Rich Brooks era, but I remember the Joker era, which was obviously not, not great for, for most of it. And so that was sort of like, oh, well, I was a kid and going to football games is fun. And I like to tailgate and I was like trying to learn about the game or whatever, but it wasn't the thing that I ever thought Kentucky football would really be competitive and so I think seeing them you know build that program up from where it was then to where it is now has made sort of like the connection to football a lot stronger in a way and I you know obviously in my job now it's I try to be much less you know I'm I'm not really I can't I can't root for them in in that sense the same way anymore but it is fun to still be like you know you want the best for them and I think it's been really fun to see so many fans get to enjoy it too I think I sort of just lean whatever's in season, you know, like I, this time of the year, I'm getting really excited for football just cause that's, that's next on the calendar, but come like, you know, October, November, you know, football is going to be obviously in full swing, but like once big blue madness rolls around, that's what I'm going to be like, you know, the expectations start to build for that team as well. So I'm, I'm kind of seasonal, I think. That's it. And we have pretty much something going on year round now. Like we, which yeah. is one again to, you know, Rich Barnhart getting the coaches in that have elevated all of the sports, like Terry said, besides football and basketball. 
And even football, like, I don't remember being invested in spring football 10, 15 years ago. You know, like, I think spring football now, and maybe I just was MIA and everybody else was. But I think just, like, in general, the interest level has grown so much that people are, like, itching for football content in April and May in a way that, like, we would never have talked about Kentucky football in May um, previously. So I think that that's been really awesome to be a part of as well. Exactly. And – on your Twitter bro- profile, it lists you as a galvanized life sister. So tell us about that. Yeah, so that's an organization I actually got involved with mostly during COVID. Sort of beginning of COVID was a way to just connect with other women in sports. Um, there's women who, you know, kind of like me, do a little bit of everything. Like there's people on camera, behind the scenes, agents, marketing, uh, sports information. You know, like there's sort of all over the sports landscape, just women in different roles and are sort of our our lady in charge is Laura um, is Laura and she works for Fox Sports and she's amazing. I mean, Laura Ackman is is a person I've watched on Fox Sports for years. She's one of the longest tenured sideline reporters covering the NFL out there, and you know, yet she still really feels like her passion is helping the people behind her. And you know, she does a great job of connecting us. She does partners with a lot of different NFL teams to do sort of like boot camps uh, where they match rookies us like reporters with rookies in the NFL and we get to interview each other and it's sort of like a two birds, one stone, you know, we get to sort of hone in on like research and question skills and interview skills. And these guys, you know, at Kentucky, they get interviewed all the time, you know, like Luke Fortner is going to be a pro, but there are other rookies who come from other schools, smaller schools, different paths they had to take to get to the league who are not going to be comfortable sitting down and talking to a stranger about his life, you know, and then you bring in the cameras and the lights and it's really, it's intimidating and it's overwhelming. And I think that's something Kentucky does really well across the board is preparing all of its athletes for that next level, but not every program has the resources to do that. So what Galvanize does, I think is really beneficial for both parties. Um, And more than anything, it's just about connection. And I've, I've met a lot of great friends through that organization and now that COVID is, you know, knock on wood, hopefully behind us, I hope more of it gets to be in person soon because I'd love to see them all in real life. You know, it's, it's a different different thing once we can start doing this all all in real life again together. But I will say the one, I guess, kind of good thing about all this is that Zoom and, and everything else, StreamYard, it's cool to be able to connect with people who are in different states and, you know, feel like we're all just together chatting about sports. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you told us about all that. And glad you took time to hop on here with, you know, two dudes you had no idea who they were, but you, you still. <laughs> That's not true. Just because I haven't been on doesn't mean I haven't watched or listened. <laughs> oh, my, oh, well, well, we appreciate that. And tell everybody what you got going. You mentioned the track in Eugene. What else you got maybe yes. that you're cooking up for the rest of this week or in the next week for, for everybody to watch on BBN tonight? For sure. Well, the rest of this week, obviously, a couple more little track stories coming up and, and some other exciting stuff that will be a, be a surprise on BBN tonight. But I think um, the main story I'd like to talk about here is I'm working on an update with Chris Oates and his mom, Kim. They're down in Florida right now getting a new kind of treatment, something different, something a little bit more consistent um, and something a little bit more, they like to call it, it's a gym. It's not a facility. And it's it's doesn't take insurance. So the way she described it to me is sort of, you know, they're able to do things a little differently without having to call a doctor and call insurance every hour to get permission uh, to try some something new uh, with Chris and his family. So I think so far they've seen a lot of progress doing that. Um, but obviously it's very expensive, especially because like I said, it doesn't take insurance. 
Um, so just sort of getting an update on them and, and how they got to Florida and how the BPN and even a couple of former cats played a big role in that. So that I think is going to be coming your all's way Friday night. Um, and then next week, actually, we're gearing up toward the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which is something I've been really excited about all year. Uh, we've done some stories sort of throughout the year, but next week is going to be our big week with that. I'm working on a couple of feature stories more in depth about the history of Title IX specifically at UK, talking to a bunch of different athletes and, and some experts as well. And I think those are going to be really cool stories. And we're actually working with UK to help unveil the top 50 women's athletes in UK athletics history. Wow. And hopefully talking with some of them, getting them in the studio, hearing what they're up to now and talking about what they did at UK. And, you know, just connecting with some of them who maybe were here a couple of years ago and maybe some who were here a couple of decades ago and really sort of bridging that generational gap um, and telling those stories is something I'm really excited about. So Make sure everybody's tuning in weeknights at 7.30 on LAX18. If you are here in Central Kentucky or we put all of our episodes up on bbntonight.com. See my eyes? I'm looking at the hornet. Yeah, it's the Sorry, I'm here. <laughs> bbntonight.com. There we go. <laughs> Got a Charlotte Hornet in your living room. Unbelievable. I know. I'm like, PJ, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> that, that Title IX story is, is awesome. That, wow. The top fifty over the fifty years—that is—that is really great. And I'm glad you mentioned Chris Oates too, because we hadn't mentioned him yet. And the fact that we we weren't elite athletes, and if you cut our age in half, we would be his age now. To have what happened to him mm-hmm. at that age, we got kids that'll be that age in a few short years. You're that age now. Does it, to wrap your head around that happening to somebody at that age is still, you know. Oh, just, no, it's, it's it's unfathomable, really. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, there aren't a lot of people in that situation where, you know, you, you suffer a stroke so early in your life. And because of that, there are a lot of additional obstacles he's had to overcome in terms of like, he's literally too big and too strong for a lot of the equipment that is designed for people who typically go through this this medical issue, which typically are much older people. Um, you know, he's he's a football player. Um, and so like he requires a different sort of level of equipment, you know, he can't have just like any physical therapist, you know, like he's a big dude, you need another big dude to help you do this stuff. Sometimes like I would not be any help. Like I could maybe do it with a grandpa. Like, I don't think I'd be able to help Chris Oates, honestly, um, even with the right training. So it's like, you just, you, he has to be able to find the right fit. And I think this Florida trip has, has done a lot of good for him in that department and like medicine coverage is even different depending on your age and like there's all sorts of insurance loopholes as well like because so much of it is designed for people 65 and older Mm. um so that's something that i didn't really know a lot about that's something that's gone into their decision to start this new 22 strong foundation so they can help chris but also pay it forward to other young stroke victims because there's really no community or no support system for people in similar situations right now. So it's wild to me that they're going through, like you said, such an unimaginable situation and still really focusing on how they can help the next person this happens to and how they can help that person's family. Um, it's It gives me chills just talking about. So I'm looking forward to bringing that to the BBN. And like I said, that should hopefully be on Friday night. That is awesome. We appreciate everything y'all do every night on BBN tonight, you and the entire crew. and. Just thank looking you. forward to everything coming up down the road, the two stories you mentioned. And thank you so much for taking time out of your evening and risking getting stung if you don't hear talking with us. Oh, my gosh, yes. I put my life on the line. No, it's okay. I'm going to go there get a flip-flop go. right after this. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Maggie.
Thank you guys so much. This is fun. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great night. You too. Maggie Davis, BBN tonight, hopping on here, chopping it up with us. Uh, the galvanized stuff with fellow women in sports. Uh, you, you don't have to, you know, you being a girl dad, you don't have to be a girl dad. That is amazing. The 50th yeah. anniversary of Title IX, top 50 at 50 UK female athletes coming up. That's going to be a great story. So, yeah, man, we get all kind of fun stuff with Maggie. Absolutely. And now we've completed the Infinity Stones for the BBN tonight. So uh, that is uh, that is awesome and, and, and everything. So glad to have Maggie on, uh, seen her around doing uh, different things. Uh, boy, they make me they make me feel old. It's, it's, it's no way back, other way. In, yeah. way back no in 2016. Yeah. No, no other way to feel, but oh, and that last week with Muhammad Ahmad on, I was chopping it up with him in the press box when he was still with the Colonel. You know, we just passed in the hallway out there, getting something to eat. I think it was a Kentucky Tennessee game, and we were just kind of watching. Hadn't went back to our seat, and I'm talking to him, and I think Brian Milan was over there or something like that, and and now he's been to Montana and come back to Kentucky. So you know, it's time don't stop. <laughs> yeah, the, the the more I talk about uh, my time in in Lexington, it's thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much, you know, you, uh, these accounts that tell you, you know, the thirtieth anniversary of uh, Chris Cross's jump, like what? Yeah. What? what did like, Liz tweet out the other day? Liz Liz's locker room uh, from ninety four. Oh, she tweeted out something. Something from 94 or 92 that was 30 years ago. And I started to reply with some kind of devastated emoji or gear. <laughs> <laughs> something. I can't even remember what it was now. I might scroll through and find it. But it was, you know, something that was pertinent to us. And now it's three decades ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, glad to have uh, glad to have Maggie on and. Uh, to talk about that, and I do like the Big Blue uh, BBN tonight, especially not being in in Kentucky. It's always good to uh, uh, you know get a little get a little taste of home uh, out yeah. here in the Midwest. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, just for next week too, because we got a, got a couple of guests already, and then I'll play our promo video that way everybody can see what they get when they. Familiarize themselves with the BS3 network. We got um got Mitch Brown, who is in Lexington. He is the um sports director at Fox 56 News. Uh he's in Lexington now. He was in Columbia, South Carolina, covering those old Gamecocks, but he's in Lexington now at Fox 56. He's a sports director there. He's gonna come on. Let's see, looking like 6.30, and then BS3 Network, got Courtney Harden, who was on the network like ourselves. He holds the real deal with Courtney Harden. Uh, he's an Eagles fan. We'll bless his heart, but uh, we'll have him on anyway. And so we got those two brothers hooked up for next week, so that should be another fun episode, chopping it up with those guys. Neither one of those dudes been on the show, so we got two first-time guests coming up for next Wednesday, man. There we go. There we go. Yeah, so y'all tune in next Wednesday to hear those dudes. 
And we'll go ahead and play this promo video now because we do it every week. You see it on Roku, on YouTube, all of the podcasts. We're proud to be partnered up with on Biz3 Network. Thanks to Ben Sutter and everybody. So just, just take it all in. If you haven't checked some of them out, check them out. And we're proud to be on the network with them. Network. If you want to advertise your business or product on our show, just give them a call 470-884-0120. Definitely feel free to check out all the podcasts that are there. Uh, If you'd like to have your business promoted, we'd be happy to talk about it as well. Just like you've heard us talk about different stuff before, we love to talk about y'all on our show each and every week. We got Gang 3 tonight, TV. You hated Celtics. Did get one game out there in Golden State. Golden State bounced back and and beat them down in game two to get even. And now it shifts to Boston, to the new garden, and all those rabbit fans up there trying to get another banner to hang up in those rafters. Nine o'clock tonight. We'll see what happens. Because, look, you got game one. Um, Jason Tatum didn't play well, and Boston wins. Clay's still kind of struggling. We know the road he's been down the past couple of years coming back. He didn't play well at all in game and going to state road without really him doing a whole lot. So it, I think it's going to be really fun to see what happens tonight in game three. It, it, it's a it's a fun series uh, if you don't have a team in it. But uh, it's just Boston <sighs> – I don't think they can mess around and let this go to game seven in Golden State. Because, you know, game seven against Milwaukee when they're without uh, Chris Middleton and, you know, a banged up, you know, almost letting uh, the heat come back in game seven. uh, That's playing with fire. You've got to, you, you've got to, be serious and not give up games uh, like this. So uh, I'm hoping they don't figure it out because I don't want Boston to win anything. But uh, <laughs> I think at some point uh, you, they've got to figure it out. Is it coaching? Is it? Is it? What is it? Because uh, you said Clay has not looked like Clay, and he may look—he may not look like Clay ever again. Right. Yeah. You know, he's in his 30s, Achilles and ACL back to back. He he may not be that dude again. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
But I tell you, the biggest difference is if Gary Payton Jr. can give, or Gary Payton the uh, second can give uh, uh, Golden State some quality minutes with that second unit. That's the difference. Yeah, and how about how about GP shirt? I mean, when you 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 would pop you you don't played your had your time in the league. You're close to your hometown. You're from Oakland, but y'all just right across the bridge in San Francisco. You watching your son in the finals. You got a shirt on with you, and then your son guarding you on your shirt. I mean, you don't get any better than that. I I look. I'm a Gary Payton fan. Let me be very adamant about that. He is one of my favorite players. In fact, hold on one second. Oh, there we go. We got a uh, we got wardrobe change. Because if y'all don't know, TB has jerseys for days, and uh, GP shirt the other night in the finals where he had you know, Gary the second on there. That was perfect. And uh, if y'all don't know, like I said, TB got jerseys for days. Oh, oh, he went the shoe route this time. Oh, the GPs. The the Gary Payton glove ones. Uh, my favorite for those that, that you know, I'll, I will tweet a, out a picture of these. Love these basketball shoes. The the the, the gloves. Gary Payton. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Gary Payton fan. Uh, I just liked the way he played defense. You know, he was a trash talker. Uh, don't get it twisted from the last dance. When he decided he was going to guard Michael Jordan and go against George Carl, and we could talk about Jordan was tired. He, <laughs> the worst three-game stretch Jordan had in the finals is when Gary Payton guarded him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jordan, ha, 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 had no problem with Gary Payton. Numbers don't lie. Like, <laughs> going from 30 points a game to 21 points a game, something, something. You know, I, I don't know what you want to say. And, and, and I know MJ's very loath with praise for anybody else, but uh, I love Gary Payton. I love I love those Sonics teams. They were fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Him and it, it, it just it feels wrong that they only got to one finals. You know, yeah. they, they ran up against uh, you know the Jazz and and you know in '94 losing in the first round to the to the uh, uh, to the Nuggets, to the Dan Issel coach Nuggets. That's right. That's right. All cats, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's just one of those things. It feels like they should have gotten more out of that. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, and George Carl, for all his crazy talk, mm. uh, now, um, yeah, he, they should have gotten more out of that. Yeah. Should probably should have got more, you know. George Carl, I think, is a pretty good coach, but he had some squads that should have done more than they did. I I forgot he was coaching uh, uh, in Milwaukee with the Ray Allen Sam Cassell team. That's right, sure was. Yeah, so yeah, about that. Uh, I was talking about Denver and Seattle. I forgot about Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and a lot of his stuff. Uh, you know, in his book, uh, you know, talking about the hip hop culture. Oh, shut up, man. Like, you know, these dudes had fathers. What? Like, extremely problematic stuff, you know, uh, that dude's putting out there. Uh, you know, 
look, you can be a tough coach. I think most coaches are tough coaches. But you can't be uh, uh, out here pushing these racist narratives. No. I, I, I don't think you can do it. But anyway, not to go down that rabbit hole, I always felt like Seattle should have done more with what they had because Peyton and Kemp were, you know, I know they win a championship, but uh, a pretty great one-two punch. Yeah. I saw a highlight package of theirs come on my team uh, timeline the other day, and I was like, "Oh yeah, they they were they were ridiculous and athletic." Mm-hmm. Those Sonics teams sure. with Hersey Hawkins and mm-hmm. Dave McMillan, and like I said, Detlef Shrimp, and mm-hmm. uh, you know Sam Perkins. Uh, Sam Perkins is a dude we kind of forget about. We talk about like North Carolina guys. Like Sam Perkins was uh, was a really good player for a long time. Sure we kind of forget about that. Like. He was really, really good, you know, and then developed that kind of – he was at a, one of the original stretch fours, you know, kind yeah. of find his home in the corner. Uh, he was so, so sleepy. I think people just – people look at him like he half asleep out there, and his, his he had that long left-handed wind-up from them little corner threes, and next thing you know, Sam just um, Sam just out there killing you. And you're like, what, what, Sam doing this to us? And you know, kind of sneaky, sleepy, just under the radar, and you know, <laughs> he did his thing, though. He did his yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Pacers with the Lakers too for a minute. Yeah, uh, Seattle. Yeah, long time. Yeah, he he did. Sure. I'm excited about the Lakers because we got we got Rasheed Wallace. Cut the check, man. <laughs> both team, both teams played hard. Both teams played hard, my man. <laughs> I love Rasheed Wallace. I, I he played in Air Force Ones from 1978. Like I love Rasheed Wallace, man. Like I shouldn't uh, because of '95 yes. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, with with Carolina and Kentucky, I love Rasheed Wallace. We kind of Teflon him about that. We still we like him anyway. We just oh here, <laughs> man. Here here we go. Uh, I've given love to JJ Reddit. And then giving a shout out to Sam Perkins and Rasheed Wallace. This this is supposed to be a Kentucky podcast. What am I? I'm getting soft in, in my old age. I'm mellowing out, man. I am mellowing out with this. So we just um, we just giving love to all the ACC. Let's we got we got some Randolph Childers at Wake Forest. Tim Duncan. Let's see what else we can. Randolph Childers. That '95 <laughs> ACC tournament probably one of the best three day run uh, I've ever seen. Just watching that dude was cold. That's up there with Jerry McNamara in the Big East tournament in uh, 2006. Like that was just a, you know, that's a that's a dude on a heater right there. But uh, mm-hmm. he didn't didn't have a pro career that we thought. But he was he ran stuff for at Wake. He you know he did his thing. Uh, Travis Best at Georgia Tech. Let's go ahead and talk about him too. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> hey. Tr- uh, Georgia Tech, that's point guard you, right? You got to put them up there. Yeah. Best, Marbury, Brent, uh, uh, Mark Price, and my main dude, who I want to get on here eventually, uh, Kenny Anderson. Chips. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, woo. I, how Bobby Crimmins was able to convince dudes to come from New York. Well, it is Atlanta, so it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere. But mm-hmm. uh, to get those dudes to come down there, that's a pretty good run of point guards. When you look over the stretch they had for about 15, uh, 15 years down there at Georgia Tech, mm, yeah. the, the rambling wreck, 
So, mm -hmm. but tonight, uh, I, I, you know, role players play play better at home. Mm -hmm. But uh, the the only thing is, I think that the Warriors just have a lot of dudes that have been there before. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to get we need to stop saying that Boston is so young because Tatum's been in the league five years, right? Like it, it's they're not as young as you think. They've played a lot of these games, so the issues with Boston it's not about youth because they've been to conference finals. They've made deep playoff runs. We shouldn't, you shouldn't at this stage be letting teams off the hook. Now I know it's easy to say letting teams off the hook when Steph is being Steph, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, tonight should be fun. Tonight should absolutely be fun. Cause I, I'm rooting for the, uh, as you can see, I'm rooting for the Warriors. So. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I can't, can't root for Boston. My sister's a, Celtics fan, and so her and my oldest have been going at it because he's a Warriors fan. They've been talking trash to each other, but I got as far as Tatum. Uh, I mean, I know he's a big wing, and when we were talking about that the other day, and everybody's got big wings now, you know, it's that's you know becoming a norm. But he's wiry and kind of lean and lanky, but he's stronger than I thought. When he when he tries to go to the block, he usually you know. He can move his guy around and kind of get to where he wants to go. And I, I think if he's going to, you know, I'm not a child evaluator, but I think if he wants to add something, he can add that to his game, kind of add the little post stuff because he got the side step three and, and all that, and he's got the nice jumper and all that kind of stuff. But if he add a little post game to his game, I think that can kind of help him sprout a little bit more in the coming years. Tatum has to let Kobe Bryant rest in peace, dude. Oh, like, you, come on. From the wristband to dressing up like Kobe did when uh, he, you know, uh, uh, was working out with the Celtics. Let that dude rest. That that that's my only thing. Like, I, I understand he's your guy, and yeah. you know, and Kobe himself emulated MJ a lot, and oh, people kind of called it corny and all that kind of stuff. Which I think it kind of was, if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. Well, I mean, you know, it was. So just, all right, Kobe's your guy, but you kind of got to move move off it a little bit, you know. I I, I got no problem with people, uh, you know, paying homage to and, and and celebrating guys. I think that's fine. But Tatum, let it go, man. Like, mm. you know, and overkill. He overkilled it. He overkilled it. He gave some interview. Uh, he said he you know, grew up a Lakers fan, and uh, he was, you know, obviously uh, he was upset that the Lakers didn't draft him during his uh, his his draft. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, the Lakers is fine, dog. Like we we got a championship a few years later. We fine. Like you you fell to third or whatever. Like it wasn't like you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had to sit in the green room for two hours <laughs> waiting to get drafted. Come on, man. They, they didn't take me second. Uh, Michael Jordan did draft sec get, get drafted second, so calm down. You know what I mean? Like, just relax. That's true. Mm. Mm. So, mm, this, I think I think Golden State, I'm, I'm hoping they win. Maybe I'm going more heart than head, but I 
you know, like you said, they've been there before. They'll be used to, you know, going in there, stealing one and trying to get two. I, I think they'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and pick them tonight. I think they'll pick them tonight. About seven or eight. Maybe not blow them out like they did, but I think they'll, they'll get in and get it done. Horford was out of his mind in game one, and he, he'd been on a nice little heater. He'd been on a nice little run, but he came back to earth. Um, you know, Grant Williams, he did what he did against Milwaukee a little bit, but that dude ain't you can't you can't lean on him for consistently doing nothing. So you can't count on a Tennessee ball for nothing. <laughs> so no, no. We're, like we're we're moving we're moving close to Knoxville, Iowa. Oh, oh, and Knoxville, Iowa, no Final Four banners. Just like Knoxville, Tennessee, because <laughs> there's a there's a Knoxville, Illinois that I drive past. Last time I drove past, I took a picture, and I said, "Just like Knoxville, Tennessee, no Final Four banners." And some Tennessee fans found it. And of course, we've you know, five hundred against Cal. All right, whatever. I said what I said. I said what I said. You yeah. gonna you know a winning record get get out of my face with that? That's loser talk. It is. It really is. That's, like, I, you know, I'm not going to be out here that, you know, head to head, we've got a better record. No, man, it's all about championships when you get to this level. We are still the measuring stick. Yes, and they, that's why they went where they went when you tweeted it. They immediately went to their record against Cal. <laughs> and, and, it, and look, SEC basketball always comes down to this a team has a good run where they're 500 or slightly better against Kentucky, and that's all they want to focus on. Yeah. As Auburn fans will tell you, you know, it's two and two in the last four, and they went 25 years and won one time in a quarter century. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's ancient history now. And it's like, <laughs> you know, well, Arkansas fans, you know, we won this one, and you've been terrible since 94. Like, Anyway, don't get. I'm not gonna get my blood pressure up. I'm just. Uh, I'm just saying what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, but yeah. Um, I have one little thing. We uh, got your boy Nick Wright. We got Maggie. Talk ready. Oh, y'all, just to. It's coming up because it'll be summer be over before you know it. But the, the rave on y'all, y'all take me and TB out there because as much fun as we had last year, they, they got even bigger stuff planned for this year. And this summer is flying. These five weeks before you know it, you'll be done closed on the house and the house will be furnished with all the new furniture that you didn't think you needed. And after that happens, it'll be July and August and September, and we talk about the first football game, and and you and I be hosting chats on there, and be right back to that again. So you know, it's you know, we already talked about how time flies. You sound old saying it, but we'll be on there rave on chatting with folks just like we were last year. And shout yeah, out to absolutely, them. shout out to them too. So yeah, but man, we hit all kind of stuff. Started a little late, but we still got it all in. We was both ripping and running. You was literally running. I was. Yeah, I, I timed that. I timed that wrong. I've just now stopped sweating, so there you go. So, I, uh, <laughs> ain't no worries, man. No worries. Just 
appreciate you hopping on do this every week. We always yeah. have fun and, and always having fun with it. And got two fun guests already. Don't say they're gonna come on next week. So we're gonna be chopping it up with them, seeing how these finals go. We have a couple more finals games to talk about between now and then. And whatever happens in the UK world, whoever brings home some hardware on the track scene, women's golf out there doing their thing. So man, it's it's always something, always something popping off. Yeah, we had a good spaces last night. We actually went an hour and a half. Oh, my Lord. Uh, but we spent about 45, 50 minutes talking about uniform. <laughs> and, uh, but it was it was fun. We had a good crowd. We had about 50 folks for the, the bulk of it. And uh, a lot of folks popping in and out, van, uh, house stopped by. And, uh, we did talk a little football. It's it's becoming uh, it's becoming fun. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're gonna get Jeff Pecoro to to pop in on there and pop in on here hopefully. And yeah, uh, we'll get him back. It's 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 becoming a it's becoming a thing. We're getting more and more people kind of talking and doing things, and uh, it, it's it, it's a great uh, it's great for great great for folks that uh, you know don't have a show, but. You know, everybody wants to talk to like-minded uh, Kentucky fans. Yeah. Probably could have been gone for another half hour, but I was like, you know, I am, I am tired of talking, which people will find that hard to believe. But I said, I'm, I'm having, I'm have to wrap this up. I got the the wrap it up box. Like, okay, you, you've done, you've done this long enough. So, yeah, uh, so that that's fun. I have fun, and I'm still hitting miss, but I get in there. I just, I just been there listening, man. Just put my little earphones in and listen. So I got to get back. Yeah. In sync with y'all and, and catch them and just tune in and check y'all out. One the yeah, other thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it, it's good fun, but shout out to, to JD. I think he's dealing with some kidney stones or some other things. So oh. uh my man JD was not there last night, but uh uh so send him a, a shout out as well. Um, I, 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 that's what happens when you get old. A lot of health, a lot of health things, a lot of health things pop up. So they sure do. They sure do. So shout out to JD. We, he's been on. Jay Hayes been on even before they partnered up, and and now they team up to do religiously Kentucky. So y'all, y'all check them out because they mm-hmm. got their thing going on every platform. They're on Spotify and they're out here on iTunes, and they getting cool guests. They had Kyle Tucker on a few times, like we have, and I think mm-hmm. Van hops on there. So yeah, they doing their thing too. So check those guys out. One thing I wanted to ask you too, I almost forgot. I've been kicking myself. <laughs> we don't talk a lot of baseball, but I, I saw this where the Angels parted ways with Joe Madden. And I was gonna ask you because you've been part of Cubs Nation and, and fly the W and, and your lovely <laughs> wife is all things Cubs. And the only guest she ever cared about us having is Roy Wood Jr. on because he's a diehard Cubs fan. Joe Madden was managing the Angels, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. Week and a half ago, they were 27 and 17, and life was good. And pow, 12 game loser streak, now they're 27 and 29, and he's out of a job. So, uh, is, uh, if I know I, the, the Cubs got that one, and look, they hadn't got one in 108 years. Maybe some people thought they should have won more than one with the young team they had put together. Maybe some were satisfied with the one. I don't know. My question, though, is is Joe Madden 
good to go coming back to Chicago. He's royalty. He don't ever have to buy a deep dish pizza, a hot dog, or beer ever in Chicago, right? Is he? He's still good with them. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Right. And 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 no one is really uh, most of the Cubs fans that that we interact with, and we're diehard now. You know, by, I'm diehard by marriage. They understand that 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 Joe, uh, he did his best. It's more about the ownership in the front office for not extending guys, uh, because as we've said before, basically the Ricketts were like, okay, we we got you year one, y'all should be good, and no, no, that's one thing I will give the Red Sox credit was, okay, we've got this core that's got one. Can we get some more out of it? And the Cubs decided not to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, with Joe Madden and the Angels, uh, there's a tweet that's been popping around every now and then on uh, baseball Twitter. You know, uh, basically, Shehei Otani, you know, does something we haven't seen since Two Finger uh, Jackson in 1892. Uh, Mike Trout hits five home runs a day you know, brings his average up to 600 and the angels lose 10 to four. Like, so I don't like it. The math doesn't math to have two historically great dudes and not be any good. Mm -hmm. Like you should be able to figure this out. Now, if I'm a diehard angels fan and I don't know if there are diehard angels fans, I don't know. Was that guy Edward uh, Perez? Well, he lived out there. I don't know if he was diehard though. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we need we need to have Ed on and talk yeah. about that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I just uh, I I don't know. The problem is the Angels, even though they're the Angels of Anaheim, it's Dodger country. Mm. It's just Dodger country out there. It it just is. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, with California being a lot of transplants, uh, there's not a lot of diehard fans for anything out there. Simply because of uh, you know you know the way the teams moved out there, Dodgers fans since they moved in '58 and the Lakers in '60, that's two or three generations worth of fans. Mm. So you know, competing it's like the Clippers. L.A. will never be a Clipper town. Lakers can be terrible, which they have been, you know, for the bulk of the last decade. It's not it's not going to be a Clippers town. It's just not. It's never going to be an Angels town. Even when the Angels won the World Series in 02, mm -hmm. it's still Dodger. It's it's it still is. You know, uh the Rams winning the Super Bowl this year. I have a feeling when the 49ers play the Rams, it will still be 50-50 at SoFi Stadium. Crazy. So uh, but you got to make a move. You've got two two historically great talents, and you're not even sniffing playoffs. I think Mac Trout's mm -hmm. played in like just one playoff series, if I'm not mistaken. It's yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. That yeah. that's a that is a failure. Mm -hmm. That is an absolute failure. Wasting that man's career. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to ask you that, man. I was—I'm just glad, glad Joe was still good with, with your wife and all the, the Cubs. I was, like, man. So yeah, abs absolutely. And I think that 
again, it, they're very appreciative of the one because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them, you know, you didn't think they would ever see that. Yeah. Uh, but there is frustration that they should, the, the, the front office should have done more to uh, try to prolong that and go deeper. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah. the issue is, like you and I have talked before, uh, the Cubs fan, the, the Cubs, they're printing money because the land, the fan base is loyal. Like, so you can make money and not try to win. Uh, as yeah. we've said before, I think most people would be surprised that winning is almost secondary to a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that bottom line. They want to make money. Mm-hmm. It's not. A, it's not about winning. Yeah, you know, uh, Bengals fans. Uh, we'll tell you about Mike Brown. Like he's pocketing the money. They don't even have a scouting department. Yeah. Uh, Burrow kind of fell into their lap. Chase kind of fell into their lap. Uh, but yeah, they made the Super Bowl, and I think they've made some some more offseason. But they're not legitimately trying to win, but they're trying to make money. Yeah, Mike Brown just a miser. You know, he just like you said, he hoarding his pennies and right. <laughs> Right, you, you stumbled into an AFC championship, and <laughs> yeah, and and, and again, I, I'm gonna. I, I've always given uh, Jerry Jones and your Cowboys credit. It hasn't always paid off, but Jerry Jones wants to win. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's gonna make side deals and try to bring in revenue. I get that, but odds out looking in, I've never thought. Well, he's not trying to win. No, he's trying to win. He's going about it crazy ways, mm-hmm. but I think as a fan, you can say, you know, losses hurt this guy. Like he doesn't want to lose. Yeah, that's true. You know, especially losing to uh, a Jimmy Garoppolo led team. But so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's my thing with with the Lakers is for a while there, I'm like, you know, when when Daddy Bus passed, uh, are they trying to win? Mm-hmm. Because the Lakers are on that, they can print money as well. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, especially pre-COVID, you're still going to get the celebrities coming to Crypto Arena or whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to happen. I mean, you look at look at the Knicks, <laughs> man. Don't get me started about the Knicks. <laughs> we have let Spike Lee and the New York media convince us that the Knicks mean something. And <laughs> if you look at it, the they've got more retired jerseys than division titles in their history. Wow. Well, the league is better when the Knicks are good. How do we know? Knicks ain't never good. <laughs> Knicks ain't never good. Yeah, that's the the best we have seen. 101 right there. <laughs> the best we have seen of the Knicks is John Starks going two for 27 or whatever it was in game four against your Rockets. That's it. That is their high point. Get in out of my In our lifetime, yeah. Yep, and we old people, as we've established throughout this episode, we old guys now. Yeah. That's and- why I laugh at the Clippers. This is a good as good as it's ever been. Conference finals is good as it's ever been for the Clippers. <laughs> as, as good as like, so, well, it the Garden is special. Okay, maybe. 
I mean, all right. Okay. Did you did you see the and one uh 30 for 30? No, I need to watch. It. I saw you tweeting about it. Well, I caught a lot of flack because I simply asked the question. <laughs> I love and one, but are we putting because dudes are opining like they changed the game. <laughs> you know, I think they had some influence, but the game was heading that way anyway, with the with the ball handling and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I I I because what what did A and one do that really translated? Skip to my Lou was the only dude that made the league. And even the NBA players that they interviewed, Baron Davis and Kyrie Irving, a couple of other guys were like, oh yeah, it was fun to watch. They did some good, but could those dudes play in the league? No. They all said like, no, no. So what was the influence? And I had a lot of people, oh, just so you don't know basketball. Dude, I know hoops, and I know what they did in N one did not translate. Yeah, yeah, I, it was fun. Uh, that coming along, slam coming along at kind of the same time. You just you loved the, the shoes, the the way the playground game, the way we got more exposure to it. Maybe that's what it was as far as being contributed to the culture, but like you said, as far as it's sticking or changing it was, the NBA, that what you're talking about? Changing re, re that was that was my thing, the influence on the NBA game. You yeah. know, you don't know basketball. Man, I know what I watched. I know that a lot of that stuff just doesn't it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think we've all seen uh uh you know uh playground dudes that could hoop it up on the playground, the blacktop, but it never, it didn't translate. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock, but it, it, it just doesn't translate. Yeah. I was reading uh, Jamarcus Russell's article on the Players' Tribune today. And I guess his, his dad was some uh, legend, like basketball legend. Like they were, they were walking through the mall and this dude's going crazy on who his dad was. Turns out it was Dominique Wilkins. I ain't seen you in a long time, man. And and but they knew Neek knew his dad from whatever he was doing back then. I don't think he made the league and all that, but but that story about Russ is you know, y'all need to read that. You know, he, he just lays it all out on the line. If I hadn't read that on Players Tribune too, but yeah, it's it it was cool. I me being from the you know, us being 90s kids, I I had some M1 shoes, I had the I had some Garnets that was M one. I had the little, the little slip ons, the little post game, the chilling. You little slip ons had some of those. And, I get my and slam the, the magazines. Shirt. I you know I, and, and I'm, the shirts. I'm the bus driver. I take everybody to school. I, yeah. I, I, you know I, I'm here for that. I'm here for yeah. that. But I don't know. Maybe as far as maybe uh, just say you don't know the game, bro. I, I I know the game. I had to mute it. A lot of people try to dunk. Whatever, man. I. I I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a big boy. I can I can I can uh, I can take it. But to be yeah, honest yeah. with you, uh, it it was great to go down memory lane with all those dudes, half man, yeah. half amazing, yeah, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I would have thought they would have uh, uh, done um, a little bit more on Escalade, uh, but you know it is it is what it is. It was great to watch, and you know right. again, it, it is weird that this stuff that we grew up on our in our youth. We're now 
we can now look back on it. And it was it was it was fun when the thirty for thirty. It was you know SMU. It was uh, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But uh, watching you know the last dance and uh, uh, now they got the ninety six women's team and I'm like oh I remember that lived through that <laughs> yeah it made me feel old but as we established it's all about that and everybody wants to either say stuff like that when it comes out oh it was the greatest or it was the worst the, the whole lack of nuance thing so that's why everybody's you know the m1 and one reshaped the whole you know so I, I see that i can see people i can see all, i can see you getting all those tweets after yeah, people it, it influenced the culture, I would say, but changed the game. Yeah. That's a tough sell for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. So I have there to go back go. and watch that and uh, get ready for game three tonight. Appreciate you like we do every single week. Appreciate Maggie Davis for hopping on here. Hope she does kill that hornet. She tweeted back and said she hadn't killed it yet. So maybe she's she got that flip-flop out and, and took care of business by now. So uh, um, we got two great guests next week, like we said. Thanks to Ben Service BS3 Network. And we'll be here next week again doing this same thing, man. Have lots of fun. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Thanks, Vinny. For sure, thanks man. Thanks, Maggie, for hopping on. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all. Check us out. Cast Talk Wednesday, Facebook, and Twitter. Check out BS3 Network. And we'll hit y'all with this promo. And we appreciate everybody for watching. Y'all have a good evening now.